Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm very goal-oriented. I, you know, it's funny that I could be in maybe, mm -hmm. and yet I was, you know, I was brought up the way I was brought up. I was brought up, you, you achieve, you set goals. And I guess I haven't totally unhooked from that because there are things that I like to achieve in my life. There are things that I like to do. So I'm very goal-oriented. But at some point I realized the suffering is not from the goal. The suffering is from how it needs to happen. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Allison, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it is my pleasure. So I actually came across you by way of your book publicist who wrote in and uh, offered to send me a copy of your book. And anytime I find myself highlighting endless passages of a book, I realize it's a, a very important story to tell and a message that I want to help spread. So uh, on that note, can you tell us uh, a bit about yourself, uh, your story, your journey, your background, and how that has led you to uh, the gift of maybe? Well, I, I could start off by saying that I was addicted to certainty. If I didn't know what was going to happen next in my life, I projected things were going to be bad or things weren't going to work out. And I think a lot of us in society suffer from this. We, we want to know. And it, it's interesting, even though at some point in our lives we all recognize that there is no certainty, we want it anyhow. And so what we do in order to make ourselves feel better is we write stories about what needs to happen for us to be okay. We might write the story that I'm going to have this job until I retire. I'm going to have this amount of money in the bank when I'm 50. My child is going to go to this college so they'll be successful in life. And we hold these stories so tight because they make us feel better. But then the unexpected happens. We lose our job. We don't have the money we thought we would have. Our child doesn't get into that college. And then we start to spin and we start to tell the story that life's not working out. And we feel very vulnerable and very scared. And this is exactly what happened to me in my life. I was so worried and so scared about the unknown future. And I just wanted to know that I wrote this huge story. And my story was that I was going to grow up and I was going to become a lawyer I was going to get a job at a really large law firm. I was going to make a ton of money. I was going to marry this great guy, and the balloons were going to come down, and I would have nothing to worry about anymore. And for a long time, I held this story very close to my heart, and I banked everything on it. And I actually remember I, I did go to law school. I became a lawyer, and I, and I got that great job. And I remember walking to work my first day actually thinking, I've arrived. And then the second day of work, my office mate came into the office and said, hey, Allison, did you hear they're firing half the first years? And I was a first year. So all of a sudden, I banked so much on that story. And I think that was the moment when I realized life was uncertain. And the level of my anxiety heightened. And I stopped sleeping. And my immune system became compromised. And I, while I was working, I, I used to take, you know, take an hour or two off you know, as much as I could to go to these doctors to try to figure out what was wrong with me. 
And all I ended up with was a little blue pill for my anxiety. And, and even that made me anxious. And for a long time, I continued with this, with this game that I had a terrible anxiety and I would write stories about future things to try to make myself feel better. And when they didn't happen, then I spun out of control. And I changed my diet and I did yoga. So I started to build a little bit of a platform, but my need for certainty always took over in the end. But one day, through the midst of all this anxiety, I was practicing Qigong and I was worried about, I think, my mother's health at the time. And my Qigong teacher turned around to me and he told me this beautiful story. And it's a Taoist story and it's about a farmer. And this farmer has a horse and his horse runs away. And the neighbor came by and said to the farmer, you have the worst luck. And the farmer said, maybe. And the next day, the horse came back with five mares. And the neighbor came by to the farmer and said, you have the best luck. And the farmer says, maybe. And the next day, the farmer's son is on the horse. He falls off and breaks his leg. And the neighbor comes by and says, you have the worst luck. And the farmer says, maybe. And the next day, the, 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 the army comes to take his son to war, but they can't take him because his leg is broken. And the neighbor comes by to the farmer and says, you have the best luck. And the farmer says, maybe. And in the Taoist tradition, the story means things are neither good or bad. They just change. But for me, probably because I'm from the West, all of a sudden, I, I was just overwhelmed with all this hope. Because in my life, I'd always been so worried that the horse was going to run away. It never occurred to me he could come back with five mares. And so it brought hope and possibility into my life, this idea of maybe. And I went from this really cramped place in my mind where there was only one way things could work out to this really open space, this larger perspective where life had maybe, life had hope, life had possibility, and maybe everything was okay. And it really changed everything for me. And that was the beginning of this new perspective for me and a much happier life, a more peaceful life, creative life. And it was just an opening to, to a new door for everything for me. Mm. Okay, so lots of stuff here, uh, and I want to dig back into all of it. But I'm curious uh, about what your upbringing was like, and you know, sort of the formative experiences of your life that would lead to this addiction to certainty. Uh, because I know that I've been brought up with very much a notion that certainty is a good thing. Being right. in an well, Indian family, that just is kind of the way we're raised. Yeah. Well, we're sold that at a very young age, but at the same time. You know, I, I always say that I grew up in a bad Woody Allen movie. I mean, I, it was, there, was, it was, there was a lot of love around the table, but the level of neuroses and the <laughs> level of worry was just so great. And, and it was just common. That's how we lived. And I think that's because I was, you know, I was always in my mind. I think that's where I developed the story. And I think all of us do that. We develop the stories to make ourselves feel better because it's really unbearable to live with all that worry. And, and what's interesting is... Um, after my first book came out, I remember talking to my mom and I'm like, how do you do it? You know, because both of my siblings, they've had they have life-threatening illnesses. And she goes, this is what I do. This is what I do. I just worry. I worry about everything that's going to happen and that's just how I live. And for me, it was unbearable. I don't know. Maybe I have a weaker constitution than my mom. Maybe I was more of a, a spirit seeker. But I can't – that's the piece that always got me, the unbearable suffering of it all. And it, it that – and with maybe it kind of – it just shifts everything for me. So I grew up with the worry and I grew up with fabricating the stories to make myself feel better. Mm. So how do you start to break the addiction uh, to certainty? Because one of the things that I, I think is always interesting about concepts like this um, and a lot of the conversations we've had on the show is that you and I can have an intellectual conversation about this and we can intellectually understand this. And I only know this from personal experience. Like, yeah, 
maybe sounds awesome, but there are days when I get really, really worried. And I know that I've inherited that some of that from my mother who I, I know worries constantly. And so I, I think the, the real question is how do you take it from intellectually understanding it to really making a part of your life? Right. And because it's interesting. We all intellectually know when one door closes, another one can open, but emotionally we can't, can't grasp that. And, you know, you go back to, I think it was Krishnamurti who said, do you want to know the secret of my happiness? I don't mind what happens. So if you think about that, just we should be so kind to ourselves because it's so hard not to mind what happens. And sometimes I'll wake up in the day and that'll be my practice. Like there'll be, there could be like a sore in my mouth or I could have a headache and I have this little practice. Well, I don't mind what's happening and I'll kind of relax into it. But let's go into life and let's have kids and not mind what's happening. Or look what just happened in Paris. How can we not mind what's happening? We have a mortgage to pay. We could lose our job. So, yeah, you're right. Like it sounds good, but how do we practice this? And there are people in life that I find have faith and they're okay with what happens. And sometimes it's religious-based. God will take care of everything. And actually, if you go back to Norman Vincent Peale's book, The Power of Positive Thinking, that was actually a God-based book. Stay positive because God will take care of everything. And so there are people who are in that, that, that group, and there are also people who are just okay with whatever happens. But the rest of us are constantly in the struggle. And I think we wake up in the morning and we're like, today, I'm going to be positive. I, I'm going to land this client and my child's going to make the play and everything's going to work out. But if you're afraid of uncertainty, it's going to be practically impossible to hold. Because if you go to work and you don't get that client or your child doesn't make the play, all the negative stuff thoughts are going to start coming up. Well, what's going to happen next? I didn't get that client. Am I going to lose my job? How am I going to make money? How's my child going to recover from this? And then we're battling between the negative and the positive. So when people tell us, oh, just stay positive, if we're afraid that we're not okay, if we're afraid the future won't work out, it's going to be impossible. And that's where the idea of maybe comes in. And so the first thing that people can do is, of course, we have to have an awareness of it. We have to allow ourselves to feel what we feel. If we feel sad, if we feel anxious, we can't suppress that. And I remember when I first read Norman Vincent Peale's book, I was like, I'm going to be a positive thinker. And I went to sleep that night and all day long I suppressed every single negative thought that I had. And by the time I got to sleep, I had a dream that my mother died, my father died, my mother-in-law died, my father-in-law died. I woke up and I had the same dream. And when I fell asleep, I had the same dream again. So yeah, it's, it's it's complicated. But the minute you say, okay, I'm aware of this, I'm aware that I'm suffering. That's the first step because if you're not aware, you're just going to keep, you know, you're on that wheel and you just keep running around and around and around on it. So with the awareness, we could ask ourselves this question, what is my biggest fear and is my fear absolutely true? So let's say you go to work and you lose that client. You say to yourself, okay, I just lost that client. What's my biggest fear? And usually your biggest fear ultimately is that you're not okay. But the second level could be, I just lost that client and I'm never going to get another client. I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to make enough money. And then, and you go, okay, so you recognize that. And then you ask yourself, am I absolutely certain that thought's true? Well, no, you're not absolutely certain that you're not going to get another client. You're not going to make money. You're going to, you're not going to lose your job. We don't know these things. And then we start to write the maybe statements and you start very broad. Maybe this is good because maybe something else is going to happen. Maybe this will get better. Maybe I could accept this and still be okay. And then you get more specific. 
Maybe I need to, to start marketing better. Maybe I need to set up more meetings. Maybe I need to speak to my boss. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And all of a sudden, you go from this place where you're so afraid that you're not okay, and you recognize, hey, there are other possibilities out there. And just acknowledging that, again, it takes you from this little cramped place in your brain where you think things aren't working out, and it takes you to a larger place, and you will feel your mind calm. You will feel your body calm because you're going to access more hope and possibility. And the minute you do that, everything shifts and your mind actually becomes more present. And it doesn't mean the fear is going to go away, but it's going to be diluted by everything else. And I, I just could almost guarantee if someone does this for 20 minutes, they're going to feel lighter. They're going to feel more open. They're going to be more present. And then things are going to start to shift. So it's really, it's a practice, but it's very real. So one of the things that really interests me is that when we've gotten out of sort of our dark moments, we can look back and we can see them with a perspective uh, like the one that you're talking about. But in our darkest hours, we're often incredibly consumed by, right. you know, grief and how debilitating it is. I know that, you know, you had mentioned getting rejected from uh, the law schools that you wanted to go to. Uh, I got rejected from every business school I applied to and in a last ditch effort. I applied to Pepperdine, which was the literally it was like, this is the last place on earth I want to end up. And I'm just curious, um, you know, how you balance those two things with sort of, wait a minute, you know, in the moment, this is not as easy as it sounds. Well, again, you have to allow yourself to feel what you feel. Um, so there's going to be struggle there. Life has hardships. There are things, there are disappointments. Um, yeah, I was rejected from a, from the law school I wanted to go to. My book, I, I in, the, in my book I wrote that I was, my book was a rejected by publishers 25 times. But after the book came out, I actually counted. I think it was almost 40. So we have these moments where we have to allow it. But after that moment, we do, we have to remember. See, it's about remembering the maybe. Because if we're lost in our thoughts and we're lost, or lost in our worry, if we don't remember the word maybe, yes, we could possibly just stay stuck until our outer circumstances change. So there's, there's a point where we're going to have to say, you know, I don't really want to suffer like this anymore. I'm done suffering. But, there, you know, it's also a process. I remember when originally I self-published this book and then eventually um, Penguin Random House purchased it. But when I self-published it, there was a fellow who lost his wife and I gave him the book. And he had just lost his wife two weeks before I gave him the book. And he read the book and he came up to me and he said, Allison, he goes, I hated your book. He said, I lost my wife. I am grieving. My life is never going to get better. And I remember going home that day thinking, hmm, you know, I guess there's a time and place for everything. And, and maybe it, that doesn't work for him or it's not appropriate. And, and, and now I look back and he was grieving at the time and he needed the space to, to grieve. But two years later, he came up to me and he said, Allison, thank you so much for giving me your book. He goes, when I first got it, I, I was grieving. But after a time, after a while, I realized I'm still here. My wife has died. Maybe there's something else left for me to experience. And just saying maybe there's something left for me to experience was a platform for him. And it was an opening. And today he actually has a girlfriend. And, and maybe doesn't say he loves his girlfriend more than he loves his wife. It, it's merely when you are ready, it's an opening. It's a little light that's there for you when you're ready to glide into to say, hey, even though I don't love what's happening in my life right now, maybe there's something left for me to experience. So yes, you have to allow the suffering and you have to have the awareness of the maybe. But if you're willing to say that little word, whatever form you need to say it, I could almost guarantee that you're going to have a shift. 
So earlier you're talking about our stories and how attached we are to all these stories that come with the experiences of our lives. Like, you know, somebody breaks up with you, your story becomes uh, one of unworthiness. Uh, you fail at something professionally, your story becomes one of incompetence. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like this constant stimulus response uh, reaction. And one of the most informative things I ever learned uh, was from a, a mentor of mine. He said, you know, if you can learn to pause between the, in the space between stimulus and response, that changes everything. And I thought that was very profound. And the more I've really understood and been able to incorporate it, it has started to change a lot of things. But letting go of the stories that we've carried around for our entire lives, uh, I mean, to me, that doesn't seem like it's something that just instantly happens overnight, right? Because I think the the world of, uh, you know, of self-help and all this new agey hokey nonsense likes to sell us on foolproof formulas and instant success and all sorts of stuff. And I, I just you know wonder what the process of getting rid of these stories or letting them go, realizing they're part of our past but not being defined them looks like. Well, well, you know what's so interesting? Out of all the things that people come into my office with, they have the story of regret, right? That that's a huge past story, right? That's a holding on, mm -hmm. right? That because I failed. Well, well, there are two things. Regret would be I missed my opportunity. Right. Because um, I didn't go into business with Joe. I let that girl go, you know, get get away. So we have that whole story going on, the story of regret. And that's very limiting. And then, yeah, we also have the story that things didn't work out yesterday and they're not going to work out today. Mm -hmm. And and that's what creates. And see, but ultimately, beyond the story, we're afraid we're not OK. And that's the thing we're holding on to. We're not okay because it didn't work out. We're defining ourselves by the, by the outside circumstances. And yes, again, we go back to someone could turn around to you and say, oh, just be positive. Be positive. And all of a sudden, you know, you've just, you lost your business. You just went bankrupt. You, you can't afford your, your, your child's tuition bill. You know, how do we get there? And that's why I love maybe so much because it's not demanding. Maybe does not demand and says, oh, you have to be happy today. You have to let go of what you were thinking that happened yesterday. No, what it merely says, it casts out on the past. It allows you this little light that says, maybe what happened yesterday will never happen again. Maybe you are capable. And what's so interesting, it sounds so simple, right? Maybe you are capable. But what that does, it's casting doubt on your own doubt, and it opens up this little light, this little passageway for you to contemplate something different. And that's why it's so powerful, because it almost holds your hand through a new experience. Because ultimately, we want to move forward. We just don't know how. And maybe it's so soft, and, it, and it's so nurturing, because it opens up a little bit, and you say, okay, maybe I could take a class. Maybe I can start a business. Maybe I can call this woman Joan and see if there's a new opportunity out there for me. So it allows us over time to let go of these stories and build a new platform because we realize that we're not doomed. We're not stuck. And just because something happened yesterday, maybe it'll never happen again. And we're able to look forward in the future and see there's more than one possibility. See, that's the catch. When we're stuck and we're telling the story, we think life has to be one way for us to be okay. And with maybe we recognize there's not just A and B, there's so much more. And I really believe that hope is very powerful. It's a very powerful platform. Where hope gets tricky is that if you're attached to how it has to happen. And that's where the stories come in. So maybe it's constantly allowing you to let go of the fear. It's like living life without the fear and recognizing more is possible over and over again. And I've seen people heal themselves from amazing traumas in their lives and and I've seen people go bankrupt, start new businesses. And I've seen people who have gotten divorced and been betrayed to start again just with this little word in, in their pocket. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hmm. So one of the lines that I, I highlighted from the book was this. So many of the past experiences we've had in our lives created these kinds of patterns of preconceived thoughts that stifle right. our judgment and make us overly cautious in the present. And what's, what's interesting is, in contrast with reading this book, I'm also just finishing up uh, reading another book about people who learn from their failures and people who don't. Right. Uh, called Black Box Thinking. And it, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, if we're overly emotional, it turns out that we don't really take the lessons from our failures that we need to. And I, I'm just curious how you balance this mindset with also learning from your failures. There's a difference between wisdom and there's a difference between, fe- between wisdom and fear. Okay. And so when we have an experience, let's say I have a business and it's time to close the doors. Because the economy shifted, maybe I wasn't innovative enough. I don't know. It's time to to stop. But I want to start another business. 
so I could, if I'm overwhelmed with my fear, right, and I'm pushing forward, I'm going to see those lessons a little bit different. I can't take risk. Look what happened last time. Things aren't going to work out. Um, let's not put too much money in inventory. Let's put money in marketing. You know, all these things because of what happened before. But there's there's a difference because if I'm just so afraid of what's going to happen next, all those decisions are based on fear. Wisdom is different. I could say, gee, look at that. Look what I did. Let me let me objectively try to look at what happened in my business. I overspent on marketing. I I. I thought that the clients would like this product, but they really wanted another product. That's not fear-based. That's saying, look, there were, there were lessons to be learned here. So there's a difference, and that's what maybe does. It allows you to set goals. It allows you to hold on to your wisdom, but minus the fear. And fear distorts things. It taints things. I mean, it's amazing if you could – it would be so interesting if we were able to wake up and live the day – or the same day twice, one with fear and one without fear. And I guarantee the day would, would look totally, totally different. So that's what maybe is. Take your wisdom, learn your lessons, you let go of the fear because you're not carrying the baggage because you realize everything that's happened before, maybe it'll never happen again. Maybe something else will happen. There's, there's always this, this opening all the time. So I think that we do learn from our fears, but we also get stuck because we bring the fear with it. I, I, when people come into my office usually and they failed, most often the fear is, is still hanging on and there's work to be done. Hmm. So let's talk about that work to be done. Um, and what that looks like, I guess, you know, through the lens of an actual example, I mean, I'd love to, to kind of walk through, you know, a mini case study. I mean, even through your own story, maybe of the evolution of, you know, living this sort of fear-based life to living a, a wisdom-based life and embracing this whole idea of maybe. Well, you know, um, originally this was my own private practice. I had left this that large law firm I was at to start my own law practice and I went into business consulting. And when I found maybe it was just for me. I I felt that I was less stressed, I was less worried. When something would bother me, I would just say maybe everything will okay, be okay, maybe something else will happen. And all of a sudden I recognized that I was less stressed and worried, but at the same time I was becoming very present in my life because all my future projections, all my fear-based projections, they were shifting. I wasn't as afraid. I always realized that whatever I was worrying about, maybe something else would happen, maybe something better. And so I was more present and I was accessing more opportunities in my life. And then the 2008 crash happened and the economy really shifted and I had all my clients calling me and they were really freaking out because there was no place to stand. No matter how good a business person you were, all of a sudden you had no lines of, you know, you lost your lines of credit. You, you lost a lot of your clients and a lot of your expenses stayed the same. And I was truly trying to help people. And I was looking at their financial plans and I was looking at their marketing plans, but no matter what I did, I really couldn't help. I, I was, I was almost like putting band-aids on like every day and all my clients were freaking out. And there had one client that I had worked with for a very long time. And he had a gorgeous store in New York City, and he sells these beautiful lamps and uh, these modern-day type furniture. And I remember I went to visit him, and he—I had no idea that he was really—I had a feeling he was struggling, but I had no idea that he hadn't paid his rent in three months. He hadn't paid his his rent for his apartment. He was not so far from going out of business, and he was just spinning out of control. And I tried to help him. I tried to to go through his financial statements, and no matter what I, he said, he said, "Allison, he's like, I can't handle this. I'm either gonna." You know, I, I'm either going to file bankruptcy. He was originally from France. I'm going to go back to France. And he just couldn't solidify his position. He goes, and everything is making me feel miserable. And it was the first time I actually shared the idea of maybe with, with a client. 
And then of everything that I did, we did some exercises in the book. You'll see we did this great door exercise. But what really happened is that I shared with him the story of maybe. And I shared with him the farmer story. And it was the only thing he was willing to contemplate. It was the only thing that actually made him feel better. Because there was nothing that he could possibly know. But the minute he understood the idea of maybe, he was able to see that uncertainty as his best friend. See, that's the shift. When you're going through a hard time, you look at the unknown and you're scared. But if you really think about it, the unknown is your best friend because that's where life's going to change. That's where the goodies are. That's where you're going to start your new business. That's where your sales are going to go up. That's where you're going to get your new client. So for him, you know, through the, some exercises and, and a lot of conversation, he said to me, Allison, maybe is the only thing that makes me feel better because I can't figure out my financials. I can't figure out my marketing right now, but maybe it makes me recognize I'm not doomed. And more than what life could work out more than one way. And maybe everything is still okay. And that enabled him to change his business because that alleviated the fear and allowed him to take the wisdom of everything he learned in business over the past 20 years and realize that he's not stuck. He's not doomed. And it took him from a fear-based place to a hopeful place. And he shifted his business. So what he did is he, he actually closed his store. He negotiated with the landlord. He opened up an internet business. He now has his own product, you know, furniture line, and he is one of the most successful clients I have today. But it was that moment. It was that moment of shifting from holding the wisdom and shifting from the fear and entering the maybe that allowed him to access more that was possible in his life. So one other thing that you uh, said that really caught my attention uh, in the book was linear thinking makes us believe there's a right and wrong way for our lives to unfold. Right. And life in general at least the way we're brought up until we're kind of unleashed on the adult world is nothing but linear, right? It's like go to school, get a job, you know, go to school, go to college, get a job, go to grad school, get a better job, you know, buy your house in the suburbs, you know, get the white picket fence, you know, get married, have kids, so on, so on. Like we have this very, very set idea um, that we're brought up with, like that life is actually supposed to unfold in a linear fashion. And after a lifetime of experiencing that, uh, how do you slowly start to break that habit or that thinking that life is supposed to fold, unfold in a linear way? And, and that's why we suffer, right? That's, that's why we suffer because all of a sudden we recognize that it's not going to unfold in a linear way. And again, like I said before, even though we recognize it, we still want it to, mm-hmm. right? So that's oh, yeah. I, I very much still want it to and I know it's not going to. Right. And so and that's the that's the biggest problem that we have is that we're we're setting ourselves up to suffer. And so we have to kind of I think that the awakening is I don't want to suffer anymore. See, I have clients. It's funny. I have two types of clients, one client client type of client who's willing to endure the suffering. And we'll just come back day after day, week after week saying, but this was supposed to happen. This was supposed to happen, even even recognizing the fact it hasn't happened. And so, yeah, if you're going to keep holding on to this way of thinking, you're going to continue to suffer. So for me, it's always it, it's so interesting when I, you know, even, even I fall out of maybe I wrote. The, I always say beware of the woman who needed to write the book because I need it the most. And <laughs> when, when I when I fall out of maybe it's because I've, I, I get this linear thought. I, you know, I want to get this book deal. I want to get this radio show. I want to sell this amount of books. And even now, like, it's so funny that I achieved so many of my goals. I still get hooked. And it's, and I look at it and I laugh sometimes. Are you really hooked again? But for me, my awareness comes from the level of suffering. 
Like when I start to suffer, I ask myself, Allison, why are you suffering? What's hooking you right now? I say, what's the hook? And that's how I know to go back to the maybe. So we have to be willing to recognize how we're living and how our choices and how our thoughts are making us feel. And if we're not willing to have that thought, then yeah, we're just going to continue suffering. So it's, you have to have, be willing to have the awareness and that's the first step. And I guess that's what makes it tricky because once you get to the maybe, you're going to feel better. Even like I said, even if like you don't give up that thought, like let's say you're hooked because you wanted a thousand people to, to listen to this podcast. And even though you don't, you don't have to give up that one thought, it's just you recognize that, well, if that doesn't happen, maybe something else will happen or, and maybe that wasn't supposed to happen. And, and you just, you're constantly opening up. So that little fear that you're sitting with doesn't hurt you as much. So either you could totally unhook from it and totally believe that the uncertain uncertainty is my friend and I'm just going to be open and no matter what happens, I'm going to keep saying maybe again, or you're going to hold on to that little fear, but recognize so much more as possible. But you have to be willing to have the awareness that you're suffering. And that's the key, I think. And if you're willing to have that awareness and willing to engage in the idea of maybe, like I said, you're going to suffer less. You, you might achieve total freedom. I have clients, actually, who are going back to the faith discussion, who if, if you're willing to engage in maybe long enough, you're going to be willing to hang out in the unknown. And the more you hang out in the unknown, the more you hang out in uncertainty and you see that life has an ebb and flow and the unexpected brings gifts and something you thought was bad ended up being good, you kind of can cultivate faith. That's what's so cool about maybe. It's, yeah, you alleviate the daily suffering, but you get to a point where you have more faith about life. And that's the most amazing thing, to be able to live life each day with more opportunity, more present, less suffering. Hmm. So. Another part of our conversation uh, in the beginning, you said that when you got that job at the law firm, you had this feeling of, I've arrived. Right. And somebody had asked me once uh, on a podcast if I've ever had an I've made it moment. And mm-hmm. you know, I even wrote a post on Medium titled, There's No Such Thing as an mm-hmm. I've Made It Moment. But I'm wondering why you think in our culture uh, there is this sense uh, that we get to some moment when we've arrived like that is the moment that we've been waiting for because what i can tell you in my own experience from getting a book deal with a publisher from all these things that i remember thinking you know back when they were just pipe dreams those will be the moments that i will feel i've arrived Mm -hmm. i've never felt that (laughs) in any moment at all i i so get that because i remember when i got my deal and my book came out and my agent called me up the next day and said, you know, Allison, if you don't sell 25,000 books, this is, you're never going to get another book deal. (laughs) And it was like the day after. So for me, you know, the universe always plays with me. I don't even get to sit with the thought myself. I mean, I have an outside source telling me you're doomed and you know, you have to, this, this has to happen. I think ultimately we, we set up this arrive moment because we're afraid we're not okay. And that's what it comes down to. We set these things up to make us feel better because we feel so vulnerable. Uncertainty makes us feel so scared. It makes us feel like we're doomed and bad things are going to happen to us. So when we set these you've arrived moments every day, we can live our life saying, okay, even though things are tricky today, when this one thing happens, everything will then be okay. And the balloons will come down. And that's why we're so vulnerable. And that's why we don't have the tools to deal with uncertainty in our life. And the twists and turns when someone becomes ill, when we lose that job, it's because we have that story, that mindset. But again, if we could shift that relationship with uncertainty, everything changes. Because like I said before, 
you get to a point also in life where you want to keep living the same life again and again and again. And yes, the people who are most addicted will say, yes, I just want everything to stay the same. But I also think you get to your life, point in your life where you want life to be more interesting and you want to be more creative and you want to have new experiences and all that's going to happen in the unknown. So yeah, we, we set this arrive moment, this you've arrived moment is that fear of the uncertainty. It's the addiction to certainty and the feeling that we're not okay. And until we deal with that on some level, we're just going to keep suffering. Every time we're going to achieve the goal, we're going to, we're going to just be presented the next day with another problem, another issue, and another something we have to achieve and never find presence. And that's another piece. I've been talking about the suffering, but what ultimately happens is we miss our lives. We're so looking for that moment where we're going to arrive that we're not present in this moment. And that's really where all the goodies are to be present. But with all the thoughts and with all the fears and without thinking we're not okay, we're never going to get there. So what I love about maybe is because it's diluting the fear and it's that diluting that moment where everything's going to be okay and you recognize that even if it's not, life has maybe, your mind falls more into the present. And when you're in the present, you're enjoying life. You're with your kids. You're with your family. You're with your friends. And while you're trying to achieve that goal, you're actually having the opportunity to enjoy it. And to me, that is the pure sweetness of life. I love that. You know, it, it actually reminds me uh, of a quote uh, that I read from Maria Popova, and I wanted to—I just wanted to hear your reaction to this based on what you just said. You know, she says the real work is how not to hang your self-worth, your sense of success and merits, the fullness of your heart, and the stability of your soul on those numbers, on that constant positive reinforcement and external validation. Right. That's the only real work. And the irony is that the more successful you get by either your own standards or external standards, the harder harder it is to decouple all of those inner values from your work. And I really want to hear what you have to say about that. Well, well, she's right. She's right. It, it's almost like we, we become accumulators, right? Mm-hmm. At first, it's enough just to get a book deal. And then it's enough to um, sell a million books. And then I have to be on Oprah. And, then I blah, 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 blah. and all of a sudden, the hook gets bigger, right? It's, it's like we accumulate because it's never enough. I think that's what happens too. It's like, like I've achieved this goal and we just keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, but it was never enough to begin with. And that's, that's the sad part about it that we didn't realize that it's, it's really the presence and, and it's our internal world. It's the only thing that's ever going to give us satisfaction. But again, this fear of not being okay and not being worthy. And that's why maybe it's so beautiful because at first I thought, Maybe it was this external game where I would play it and something would happen and you won't get that client. I'd be like, well, maybe I could just accept this and something else will happen. But then all of a sudden I started to, to turn it into my internal world where I had, well, maybe it's okay that this doesn't happen. And maybe there's something left for me to experience. And maybe my own internal peace is all that's important. So all of a sudden you start questioning these ideas of low self-worth and having to achieve all those goals. So maybe also it gives you a platform internally to, to build on. But I think she's right. I think the hook gets bigger. If we don't deal with our fear of uncertainty, the hook is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and I think one day we realized, gee, I wasted my whole life trying to achieve the hook and I missed out on, on the best experiences. Hmm. So how do you balance all of that with the necessary focus uh, to achieve long-term goals and, and to stick with them, to bring them, to see them, you know, uh, come to reality. Yeah. That's a great question. You know, it's interesting when you write a book, sometimes you don't realize how people are going to read it. And if all, <laughs> and, right. You, you think you, you, you're really clear what you're saying, but out of all the questions that I get, 
that's the question that people come up with the most. I think they're like, well, if I'm in maybe, well, how am I ever going to achieve anything? And the interesting thing is you achieve more because I'm very goal oriented. I, you know, it's funny that I could be in maybe. Mm -hmm. And yet I was, you know, I was brought up the way I was brought up. I was brought up, you, you achieve, you set goals. And I guess I haven't totally unhooked from that because there are things that I like to achieve in my life. There are things that I like to do. So I'm very goal oriented. But at some point I realized the suffering is not from the goal. The suffering is from how it needs to happen. And I think that that's where maybe helps us is because it makes us realize that, okay, like I could have someone come to me and say, I'm going to start a business and at the end of the year, I'm going to make a million dollars of income and I'm going to have 50 clients. And if at the end of the year he made half a million dollars and had half the clients, he could say, well, things aren't working out. And like, no, it just didn't happen the way you planned. It doesn't mean that things are not working out. And that's what maybe does. It allows you to set the goals, but you're flexible and fluid all the time. So when something doesn't happen, what happens, people give up their dreams too soon because they have an obstacle or something happens they didn't expect. But what really happens is you wrote the story. It didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen, but it doesn't mean things aren't happening. It doesn't mean you can't still achieve your goals. So maybe constantly lets you take every unexpected event and shift it and say, okay, well, maybe something else could happen. Maybe I need to make another plan. Maybe this, maybe that. So you hold the goal and you deal with the twists and turns with more hope and possibility. And actually, at the end of the day, you're more likely to get there. You suffer less. You're more open. You're more creative. And sometimes you don't achieve your goal, but then there's maybe again. So you don't get down and you realize, okay, there's still hope. There's still an opening. What's left for me to experience? And I'm going to set another goal and I'm going to try to achieve that one. So for me, maybe keeps you in the game. And I guess... If, if someone would get really afraid, well, if I, I mean, maybe I'm letting go all the time. No, yeah, you're letting go of your attachment. You're letting go of how you thought it was going to happen. But it, just because things don't go the way you planned, it doesn't mean that it's game over. And that's the beautiful thing about maybe. It reminds you again and again, game's not over. You're not doomed. You still have hope. You still have possibility. And maybe everything is okay. And that, again, allows you to come back to the moment, focus in, and do what you need to do to, to live the life you want to live. Well, this has been amazing. Uh, really, really thought provoking. And I, you know, as, as I'd mentioned, uh, at the beginning of the episode, I read the book cover to cover and, uh, for everybody to listen, I can't recommend it highly enough. I will link it up in the show notes. Uh, so I have one last question for you, which is how okay. we finish all our interviews at the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Um, I think it's, it's how we live our lives, I guess, how we, how I guess also our relationship to uncertainty, because if we're willing to dig deep enough and we're willing to look into the unknown without fear, we are really going to achieve our greatest potential. And, and that's going to affect how we live our lives, the quality of our lives, the quality of our relationships and what's possible for us to achieve and how we're able, the impact we're going to be able to have on the world. Well, uh, this has been phenomenal. Uh, you just packed so many insights into a, a very short amount of time. And I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and share your story and uh, your insights with our listeners. It's been my pleasure. And I could only end saying it sounds so simple. It's one little word. But that little word is so powerful because it takes you from the darkest place that you sit and you're afraid that life's not working out. Everything that happened to you in the past is you're stuck and you're not. It, it makes you remember that life has hope. Life has possibility. You're not doomed. And there's always maybe and, and maybe everything is okay. 
Well, I think that makes a perfect way to sum up our conversation. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to The Unmistakable Creative. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.